Welcome to the Real Deal Podcast, hosted by myself, Maddie Marshall. Welcome to the show. And I'm pretty excited. I always say I'm pretty excited or stoked before the start of these. I need to come up with a new intro. But I'm, I am excited. I'm legitimately excited and stoked to uh, have our guest on today, Dave Pando. He is the new director of marketing for the PSP. And he's going to be talking about some new directions the PSP is going to be moving in as far as marketing is concerned, interaction with customers and fans. Going to be breaking down the schedule as well, too. Uh, so, Dave, how you doing, bud? Good, Maddie. How's it going? God, it feels so weird calling you Dave. I'm just going to call you Pando for the rest of the show. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Do I mean? Do, do I mean? Other than your mother, probably when she gets mad at you, does anyone else call you Dave, or is it just, just Pando all the time? Uh, it is always been Pando ever since I, I think I was born, or when I was in trouble. It's David. David means you know I've done something horribly wrong. Otherwise, it's all Pando. Do the ladies call you Pando? <laughs> Uh, they do, and I think they like it, too. Because <laughs> it sounds like panda, and they love yeah. pandas. Everyone well, you know I like pandas. foreign girls, too, and panda with an accent sounds pretty good. Can you so. give me a panda with an accent? Like, maybe I'm just going to like just pull something out of the sky. It doesn't even <laughs> relate to anything. Maybe like an Egyptian accent? What do you think? <laughs> well, the Egyptian, she said, pando. Pando. Pando made me melt, yes. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, also, yeah, yeah I need to say, uh, you know, this podcast is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, the motivators and movers of the paintball world, GI Sports, uh, Key Action, making makers of fine paintball products and paintballs specifically. Uh, also, Die Precision and Planet Eclipse. So help us help the sport, keep this thing going, moving along. So yeah, so speaking of keeping things going, uh, so Pando, you got a new gig now, Director of Marketing for the PSP. You should be pretty happy, right? Uh, of course. It's a dream job. Yeah, so I mean, you know, so people out there that don't know who Pando is, I've known Pando for a long time now. Uh, met him when he was playing, when he was just a wee lad playing on, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Ohio State, right? Ohio State, Pando? Oh, man. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew it. But I'm actually, I'm okay with that because the Buckeyes are pretty much the coolest uh, college in the world right now. Well, I just, I mean, I had to make some sort of Ohio State reference because they just yeah. won the national championship. And it was actually, <laughs> I know it was Ohio University, but I just yeah. kind of like to just twist that knife every chance I get. Oh, yeah. He used to give me so much, uh, dude, he used to get so angry at me back in the day when I'd be up on, you know, what, doing a game and butcher it. And, and then you'd be like, dude, it's Ohio University. I'm like, whatever, man. I just done whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, so I met Pando back when, uh, you know, he was a little college kid playing on um, Ohio University's team. And then you ended up becoming the president of the club, right? Uh, yeah. I was pretty glad to take that over. And, um, yeah, I mean, college paintball is amazing, and you you got the the gist of it at nationals. But I mean, oh, oh, you know, and I did a victory lap too, so I had five full years of college paintball tournaments, which was like the best time of my life. Nice. Yeah, I also did a, a fifth year to try when I was getting my degree um, because of the rigors of trying to you know try to work and play paintball at the same time. So yeah, it took me uh, you know a little bit of time. So I can relate. I always, yeah. man, I always used to say back in the day, it would have been so awesome to have college paintball because San Diego State's team. Like I wasn't, I'd graduated right when the Dynasty guys moved down there, but yeah. um, for the little brief time that some of those guys, we, if I'd gone for a sixth year, uh, we would have been dominating. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I want to kind of you know I want to tell or I want to you know talk to you about your story. Uh, you got a pretty cool paintball story. Um, you know, coming up through those ranks and then working at different gigs all across the industry. 
Um, but before we kind of get into your story and then talking about uh, some of the stuff that you want to implement with the PSP this year, let's talk about schedule. So schedule just came out. Let's break it down for me, man. We've got a new venue. Um, some dates have flipped around as far as like where the locations are. But uh, I will let you do your new job of, uh, <laughs> of breaking this stuff down for everybody. So break it down for me. Cool, man. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm personally super excited about the schedule, and uh, I, I'm, I guess it will be out by the time this airs. So, um, you know, the first event, nothing really new there, but that's just because that Dallas venue is, is so great at Cousins Paintball, and that's going to be March 13th through the 15th. Um, but, uh, you know, first event of the year, it's going to be very exciting. I know, um, you know, some new stuff with the webcast and everything like that. Um, but the big news on the schedule is our new venue, which is going to be PSP Nashville. And this Nashville venue, Maddie, is like, it's incredible. I mean, it, it's, it's similar to Riverside in just that it's like totally untapped, but it's just this huge park with, I mean, we're basically playing on like perfect soccer fields. Um, you know, and it's, and it's a park too. So there's all kinds of accommodations there. There's a, there's a playground if you want to bring your kids and ditch them and go play paintball instead. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, basically this, this Tennessee venue is, uh, I'm really excited about it. I mean, um, you know, a lot of our core customers, you know, the paintball in the southeast is just huge. Alabama, Georgia, I mean, all those kids, they, they have the weather to play a lot of paintball. And, um, you know, there's a ton of teams from down there. It's uh, a pretty easy drive for pretty much anybody um, over on the East Coast or the Midwest, you know, it's, it's, it's central, the weather's going to be great, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a new venue, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm stoked on the Nashville thing. I've been back. I've been to Nashville since we had a tournament there years ago, and uh, know that that, you know, it was fun when we went, and, you know, Nashville is a, is a, is a really lively town. It's, um, you know, kind of totally. like in Austin, so there's lots to do, lots of music to listen to, bars to go to, food to eat, places to see, that sort of stuff, so I think it be, would be kind of a cool spot. Um, do you know how close the site, event site, is to the fun stuff in Nashville? Uh, well, it's, it's close to downtown. That's the best part. It's like a half hour from downtown. It's a half hour from the airport. Um, so it's, it's not going to be, you know, it's not like world cup where you, it, it's like an hour drive to go to doing anything fun. So it's, it's going to be totally doable for you to go explore the city as well as, as compete in the event, which is why it's such a great location. Nice. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely happy about that. And so that, so that's the second event then. And the dates, Correct. what are the dates for that? Uh, May 1st through 3rd. First to the third. And then, um, so another new thing that we, we've done this year is we're, uh, you know, typically Chicago has been the third event, uh, always huge. Uh, but we've just had bad luck with Chicago during that time period for whatever reason. I mean, how many times has it rained in a row now? Um, so we've actually made the decision to switch out MAO and, um, well, not switch out, but put MAO as the third event. Um, which is going to be at OXCC again June 18th through the 21st. But uh, MAO has been growing. I mean, and, and I love that venue. It's beautiful with the trees around. I mean, the, the weather's been pretty good to us there too. Um, and uh, this, this change, I think, is going to hopefully help teams that – um, you know, may have either decided to do either Chicago or MAO. Now, since um, the way the schedule is around, I mean, pretty much – it's it's pretty convenient to play the whole season this year, um, which I'm I'm pretty excited about. 
Yeah. Okay. So we have so second events in Nashville. Third event is MAO now, and then Chicago is going to be the fourth event. Correct. And Chicago is going to be August seventh to the ninth. Um, so just a three day event for Chicago, and then MAO is going to be a four day event. Is that because of the expected amount of divisional teams and the, necess- uh, the necessity to have an extra day to play those out? Um, yeah, for sure. And, and, pe- and June is a good time to play paintball just because, you know, it's summertime. So kids aren't, nec- they're not going to be in school. They might have more free time in the summer. Um, so that's why the third event is usually the biggest. Um, and, you know, MAO is a good location too. So, or, you know, over in Chesapeake City, Maryland. Um, so yeah, we expect a big turnout there. We also expect a big turnout in Chicago too. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going well, <laughs> to be a fun season. Yeah. It's cool that MAO has kind of come up in, in numbers as far as teams is concerned. Chicago mm-hmm. traditionally has been the second biggest event of the year. I mean, obviously right. cup just, you know, dwarfs everything and every tournament. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see, I, I, I like the changes and I know it took some time and, you know, <laughs> Uh, my girlfriend and my family and everyone out there, I'm assuming, you know, can empathize was like, hey, is the schedule out yet? Is the schedule out yet? Hey, man, seriously, is the schedule out yet? And I was like, had to tell him the same thing um, was like, no, it's not out yet. They're working on a new venue. That shit takes time in order to, you know, get all those plans in place when you're working with brand new people because we've never had an event at that site. So, right. um, so you know, that's for everyone out there. It was like, when is the PSP going to put out the goddamn schedule? I got work to take off and babysitters to make. I got this, this bunch of stuff I got to do. So I totally, I mean, I was also, you know, wanting the schedule to come out, but you know, you got to also understand, man, it's like it took until now, essentially, in order to, uh, to, to get that taken care of. So, um, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I'm excited about the new season. Uh, I want to talk about those matchups and stuff a little bit later. But let's, let's talk about your story, man. I mean, you, you know, had a kind of an interesting trajectory uh, to put you in the position that you're in now. Um, and one of the things that always, you know, you were a super nice dude back when you were a college kid, uh, and you were a fun guy, but you were really passionate about paintball and you were also somebody that I could actually have an intellectual conversation with, <laughs> even when you were just a, a little kid. Um, uh, well, you know, I mean like a college kid, but, uh, but still, <laughs> you know, so that's, and then I've seen you kind of, you know, go through different versions of jobs at different paintball companies, um, on an, you know, on, on a trajectory towards this. So, so yeah, let's tell that story a little bit. So how did you kind of get, you know, like, how did you get into this? You know, like what made you, I mean, did you play tournaments before you got to college or did college get you into paintball? I mean, I think you'd played, you know, if I can remember correctly from drunken conversations we've had at bars in different cities. (laughs) um, I want to say that you had started playing when you were a teenager, right? Like a while ago. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I started off just like everybody else, you know, birthday party, whatever. And I got, I got hooked cause I was, I was pretty good when I was a kid, you know, compared to the other 13 year olds playing around in Jabumfuck, Ohio. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I got picked up by a local team and I, I actually played amateur a 10 man when I was 15 and 16 years old. So like Ooh, I was around in the way 10 man area. Yeah. Like the little kid with a, Yeah. Shooting, uh, oh man, the chronic paint, that zap paint, oh, that, that stuff was fun. But was uh, anyways, the, yeah, yeah so. It was the chronic. I, I enjoyed shooting the zap paint occasionally. Oh, yeah, that no, was fun. Um, so that was, you know, that's, that's when I kind of got hooked, was playing those tournaments. And then I went to college. And what's, what's great about college paintball is that um, it, there's a lot of luck involved. You know, like you were saying, like if, if, if only you had stayed a six year or been in their class, how great of a time you guys would have played. So I actually got kind of lucky where my class, 
was uh, there was three or four of us that were experienced, you know, players. I mean, we played X-Ball before we went to college. So all of a sudden we had a sort of a stacked college roster, which, um, you know, compared to a PSP or, a, you know, a, a competitive league, it's, it's not the greatest level of competition in college. But that's what makes it so fun is that if you're a good paintball player in college, you know, like I played Front Snake, you could get a lot of kills at a college tournament and win a lot of tournaments, and that's exactly what we did. Oh um, yeah, you can be like you can have straight ringers in college. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, straight up. Like, of course, obviously, there's you know the 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 um, I can't remember exactly how the divisions. So you have you have your five man, and then you have your you know the the halves and the stuff that you're going to see on TV every year and on the webcast, like the main stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can have pros as long as the guy's really going to school at your school, you can have pros on your roster. And so that's always kind of the question. And when we go there every year for the championship, it's like, all right, who's got who and who showed up this year. And that's why like Long Beach was able to make the run. It makes it, it makes it very interesting story-wise, uh, calling the games when you have like, you know, the hero for each team. Like it was Chris Treegarthen and, and, uh, Jason Bornstein for a long time on, uh, on Long Beach, and then they everyone wanted them to lose, and um, you know, so and then you had the more well-rounded teams from the East Coast, and um, yeah, so it was it was uh, it was always cool. So you guys had a stacked team. So did you know the guys in college already, and you played with them before, like, and they were buddies of yours through paintball, or did you meet them while you're at school? No, not at all. It was I, I had just met them, um, you know, at, when we all got there, and then you you know that's you just joined the paintball club, and we were kind of lucky because the paintball club at at Ohio U was already established. They were all they were playing five man, so they were just you know just a typical college team. But then once um, we came in and we brought talent, then we were able to to start playing X ball tournaments. And you know I know um, you know the big college event is always nationals, but in between nationals, you're playing a lot of regional tournaments. I mean, there's you know we we could play ten tournaments in a year between five man and you had X ball regionals and all this stuff. So. If if you guys, you know, if you raised the money to play, you could play a ton of paintball in college. And if you were a winning team, it was basically like, <laughs> you know, just going out there and having best weekends ever, like every other weekend. It was so great. Um, and now, you know, you, you get that camaraderie where we're all best friends for life. Um, the paintball club was pretty big. And, and you know, you, you're a good paintball team in college. You bring home trophies, and that's just an excuse to throw a huge party. And, you know, the people coming over, they don't, oh, paintball, sweet. Yeah. Are we drinking out of your trophy? Great. Sounds good. And, you know, it just, it, it's, it's nothing but good times when you, when you got a good paintball team in college, which is great. But, um, but yeah, so, so when I was in college, like, sort the, the whole college paintball scene sort of inspired me to, like, kind of get ambitious with, pursuing a paintball career um you know it kind of all started off with i uh i wanted my school i had a marketing mind obviously and i wanted our club our, our college team to get more exposure so i started pitching us to action pursuit games magazine and uh i got lucky the editor is like hey yeah write write me a couple articles and he liked my stuff and so next thing you know i'm writing a monthly you know collegiate paintball column for apg magazine and uh, that was just sort of when I realized, hey, you know, if, if you put yourself out there in paintball, um, people will notice. And that's sort of like the mantra I live by in life is just always put yourself out there, do good things for good people, and, and good things will come back tenfold. And, um, you know, so the, the, the writing articles for, for the industry sort of got me my foot in the door with people. I got to sort of choose who I wanted to write about and what I wanted to write about. And that's how I got to meet 
um, a lot of the people that uh, you know I'm still close with now. And so that was kind of like the way that you bootstrapped your way into getting other opportunities was just by sending an email, hitting people up and saying, hey, I want to do this. And they're like, oh, that's actually a good idea. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and that's so sort of the lesson is that I, you know, I sent the email, hey, I want to write an article. And the guy said yes. So I guess the lesson is, hey, every smart paintball player that's in college or not in college that just wants to be a part of the industry, just go after it. You know, don't, don't hold back or expect some, something to come to you. If you make it happen, which you very easily can, and I'm a testament to that, um, you know, you can end up changing the industry a little bit for the better. Yeah. So did, as far as like becoming president of that, I mean, was that kind of like everyone's hung over and no one wants to schedule practices and you were the one that was hung over, but still was willing to schedule the practices <laughs> or like, how did that come about? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I sort of like asserted myself like that's I put myself on a path to, to, to sort of take over the, the old president. This guy, Bryce Barber, is amazing. He um, uh, he graduated. And so there was an opportunity and I had just always taken on that sort of like, you know, I was the one who started our Facebook page and was getting us in the magazines and and making sure that, you know, the small college community knew who we were. And so it just sort of made sense. And I, I was totally fine with doing the hungover responsibilities. So, and it's, re- it's really not that much. And like, honestly, if, if you go to college and, and your school doesn't have a paintball club, just start one and it's not that hard and it's totally worth it. How would somebody going, how would like, let's say somebody's listening to this right now, or maybe, you know, and they go to college and they want to do that, or maybe their kid goes to college and they want their kid to do that or want to throw it in his lap and see what, you know, if it's something he'd be down for, how do you do something like that? Uh, you just go to the college paintball website. I think it's I think it's just ncpa.com now. But um, the NCPA paintball website has total step by step directions. But it's really it's just you're a club sport, so you you can't really focus on the fact of like getting money from your school. Some schools are super lucky, like Liberty University. They were totally funded. I think like UConn, they got a bunch of cash. But my school, OU, we got no cash. We had to raise it all with fundraisers. Um, but did you guys Basically. do like bikini car washes? Or like uh, yeah, well, they were mankini car washes. They didn't do very man-kini, well. Mankini, mankini <laughs> car washes. Uh, oh, it's yeah. a terrible visual. No, but <laughs> we, we would uh, we would we would do fundraisers with. Um, uh, we we actually started a paintball field at our school. We 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 got some hillbilly that that was there, and we we started a mini paintball park. So we would actually do fraternity tournaments and things like that that we hosted that um, would raise money. I know nobody's a lot of schools aren't going to be lucky enough to have that kind of opportunity, but uh, I mean it's 2015. There's all kinds of fundraisers and shit. You could just do a Kickstarter now, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's because the reason why I brought that up as far as. Um, you know, is this, that's one of the, that's one of those things. A lot of people will be listening and be like, well, okay, all right, maybe they were going to college, but they don't have the money, you know, have the money for something like that might be in college program, but it's like, okay, well, what exactly can you do as far as fundraising is concerned? Because yeah, yeah, some of those colleges, like it's crazy to see Liberty pull up in their bus and then you see pictures of their like, you know, dedicated field they have. And I love the Liberty guys. Like those are some really stand up you know, nice dudes and, uh, and they're pretty damn good at paintball. Um, I would hope so if you have your own feel your college. Um, yeah. but you know, 
they're always a favorite or one of the favorites. They always do pretty well. Um, and then, yeah, UConn, they had ended up, I think they won like back-to-back championships and, and at the time went to, I can't remember who was running the program then, but they went to their, their school and said, hey, look, we're, you know, we're on TV. We're getting a lot of exposure for the college. We could be doing even more if you guys helped fund us. And they got, ended up getting like $30,000 a year yeah. or something crazy to fund you know, their team for the season, which – is awesome. But again, another yeah. testament to saying like, okay, like what do we have to work with and who do we need to talk to to try to make this dream a reality? Right. And I mean, you know, going back to how you start it, I mean, you just go to your club sports administration. They'll let you start it for sure. Whether or not they're going to fund it is another story. But the point is you can start one. Um, and all you have to do is some annoying paperwork and you're good for four years or however long you're there. So just if there's not a program at your school, Start one. You'll be glad you did. And if there is one, you know, be a leader, take it over, do some cool stuff, and and you'll win a lot of tournaments. It's great. Yeah, I love the vibe of the college tournaments, man. Like, that is such a fun tournament to go to. It's, you know, you go to, obviously, PSP is a fun vibe. It's a very competitive, like, hyper-competitive situation. And then, you know, obviously, the people are there to have fun, and you meet people from all over, so that's awesome. But it's it's just like going to a college or going to a paintball tournament where the only people there are are mostly males. I mean, there's definitely some females too, but it's predominantly male and it's from the ages of like 18 to probably about 23, 24. That's, that's the entire group of dudes that you're around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so those, and, and then there's always that, like, you know, the rivalries between the two, you know, between the schools and it's great, man. I, I look forward to going to that every year to talk to the guys and, and to see the games and, and the competition, like the first year that I went, the guys, the, the, most of the teams were terrible. And over time, <laughs> Uh, the competition has gotten better and better, just like it's gotten better and better in the divisions, um, you know, going down into divisions. I mean, watching a D3 game, I mean, if you go back and look at, like, old-school professional paintballs as far as the, the style is concerned, um, you know, say 1997-ish, I mean, you see dudes not shooting left-handed, you know, you see a lot of that Kentucky left-hander um, type <laughs> stuff, and, you know, but and over time, the form has, um, has, has changed and evolved and gotten more refined, um, but, but it's just cool to see that progression of the skill every year uh, going to the college tournament, so, yeah, so, okay, so you... No, so then you graduated, and you were like, oh, shit, what do I do now? What did you do? <laughs> um, well, I was trying to figure it out, and, you know, I, I was just bartending and sort of trying to decide what path I was going to go on. Um, because you had a marketing I, I was, degree? Oh, what's that? You had a marketing degree? That's what you got your – that was your yeah. emphasis? Yeah. Yeah, I had a marketing degree, and, um, and I, 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 of course, I wanted to work for paintball, but I just didn't really know how to, I guess – where I should insert myself and, and how to go about it. But going back to just putting yourself out there, um, you know, after I graduated, I was, uh, I, I, this was when the first ever crash at the coast was, it was the first ever one. And that was, I don't know, 2011, I think. And I begged my mom, I said, Mom, like, you got to split this with me. I mean, I was broke. I didn't have 1300 bucks, but I had 600 bucks. And I said, hey, this is a chance where I can actually go to the West Coast and meet the people that are running the industry from the West Coast. Like this is this is where important people in paintball are and I need to go out there and just meet these guys. You know, so I, I wasn't going to crash at the coast to like uh, you know, become a professional player at all. I was going out there to network and to sort of meet important people or people that I thought were important. And uh so I did it and that's how I met all the HK Army guys 
and um, that's where I met Bear, who, who we were playing at SC Village, and I got to meet uh, Giovanni, who's like one of my favorite people in the world. Um, so anyways, I did Crash at the Coast. It was great. Uh, like I wrote an article about it in APG, and that was that. But um, after that, I got a gig writing for Faceful Magazine. Um, and I actually, you know, it was the last issue of Faceful ever printed. So it was definitely my fault that Faceful went under, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we didn't know it was the last issue at the time. But um, so I basically used the, net, the connections I made in, at Crash of the Coast. And I, I called Gio up and I said, OK, let's, maybe if I write an article about Gio, I could sort of pitch myself to him. So I interviewed Gio. He was doing this really cool collab with Call of Duty. I forget. My, I don't remember which Call of Duty it was, but they did like that whole like. Remember that video with Malin Ackerman and, and Nick Swardson, that little viral paintball video they did. Yeah. Um, so I wrote an article about that event, and then at the end I said, "Hey, you know, Geo, by the way, I just graduated with a marketing degree, and you know, I'm looking for a job. You should hire me." And he said, "Pando, you know, if you lived out here, I'd hire you." And so that's sort of where we left off. And then two weeks later, I, I packed my bags and I went and drove across the country and went. You know, I, I was crashing on my cousin's couch and I, I, I showed up at Hollywood Sports one day and I said, hey, Gio, here I am. You know, let's talk. And, and he ended up hiring me to work at Hollywood Sports. Yeah, and so and people that don't know who Giovanni is, uh, Giovanni uh, DiGidio, he's um, one of the owners of the arguably the most important field in the world. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some other fields that are massive and really important and dominate their area, but the, the history of SC village, um, and then the, you know, as they slowly, but surely increase their empire, um, huge field, very good learning experience to, you know, to be in that environment at probably, I don't know if it's the busiest field in, or field or group of fields in the world, but I'm pretty sure it is as far as numbers. I can't imagine. I mean, I know there's some crazy, like obviously not counting like, um, uh, the field in Pennsylvania where uh, Invasion of Normandy is played, like not counting the big mm-hmm. games because that's like an extra 4,000 people you get one weekend. Um, yeah. I don't know. You can probably tell us that. Is SC Village the biggest field in the world or, or, or as far as numbers is concerned? I think if you did like total players over time for sure, just because they've been there. For, SC Village has been there since the beginning, you know. Um, but uh, it would be tough between – um, like I, between them and, and CPX, I know they put up some awesome numbers last year. Yeah. Um, and now that they have their indoor too, CPX is going to kill it. And, uh, you know, Camp Pendleton is really consistent too, but I mean, Geo's thing is it's not just SC village. I mean, he has SC village, Hollywood, Hollywood sports, and then the other giant parks too. There's one in San Diego right. and there's another, where's the other one? I can't remember where the other one is. I think it's, it's up by Disneyland, California paintball park. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah. I mean, he doesn't, but like you said, very influential just because they sort of set the, the standard or I guess just <laughs> got a lot of people into the sport that wouldn't have gotten into it if SC Village didn't exist. Um, yeah, but, I, used, I used to love to go. SC Village was one of the last fields where you could just wear goggles. Um, so that was kind of cool. And loader hits didn't count. Like the very first tournament <laughs> I ever played at SC Village, which was in like, oh God, I don't know, I'm old as hell. But uh, I think it was like 95 um, yeah, that was like kind of weird. I'm like, wait, loader hits don't count. Tight. This is sweet. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, okay. So you worked there and you just, what did you do? I mean, what was, what was your, uh, would you just kind of work on the marketing of the parks and kind of, you know, describe it to me? Well, I wasn't really, um, 
it, it wasn't necessarily a marketing gig. It was more of like a staff writer gig, which was super cool. I mean, they had so much going on at all times. Um, and I was, you know, the main part of my resume at that time was the be, having articles published in Faceful and APG. So they basically wanted me to come in and just blog like crazy, you know, all for like SEO um, and, you know, just having content to put on their social media and whatever. And I, I did the Giant Sports Instagram for a while too. You got but, hold, uh, on, hold on. You can't use jargon, bro. Not everyone knows what SEO stands for. <laughs> search, search engine, engine. optimization, <laughs> yeah, there you go. which is why, you know, it, it helps you come up higher on Google. The more blogs you have, the more, uh, the more, the more times paintball is set on your website or paintball California or whatever, the more, the higher you show up. So, um, basically I was writing like three articles a day, which was, it was cool. Um, and then just being a part of the whole Hollywood, you know, I, I worked out of Hollywood sports, which, um, is, is a pretty cool field. <laughs> it's like a freaking movie set. Um, so, yeah, so I was just, I was blogging like crazy and, you know, doing random events all over the place and just sort of like getting my feet wet of, of, of what goes on at, at a big kind of super park like they had. Um, and, uh, but, but I was really just getting my feet wet. But then I really got my break when I got, I started working for Die, which was after, you know, I sort of, um, got presented the opportunity while I was at Hollywood Sports and then I decided, you know, die was a good next move for me. Um and that's really where I started to like hone in on on paintball marketing. So you did like, you know, uh you did marketing, uh event coordination and um player and team relations, correct? Yeah. Well, they die need they needed people to sort of Dude, sponsorships was like a big part of my job for Die, just because they had teams. I mean, it was like 200 sponsored teams, um, not so much in the U.S., but there was a lot of teams in Europe, like Germany, France, um, and there just wasn't enough. <laughs> there wasn't enough time for people to like answer those emails. <laughs> oh um, God! While we're on the subject, for everyone out there, if you want to get sponsorship, stop writing horribly written. <laughs> Uh, illegible with tons of misspellings and bad grammar emails to sponsors that go something like this. Uh, um, hey, yo, no comma. Uh, we have a D8 team and we loves the paintballs. Please give us free stuff. The end. Yeah. Like seriously. I mean, it, I've got, I've literally had people that work in the industry copy and paste and send me emails from from kids mostly, uh, but adults, grown adults that should know how to spell and also know that you can't just write terrible emails to people for free stuff thinking you're going to get any of it. You know, it's like, and we've done this on the podcast podcast many times before, but it's like, if you want sponsorship, like you have to think, all right, you're going to give me something. Well, what am I giving you? You're giving me free gear. What do, what does that person get out of that? You know, it's like, uh, this is just, I'm uh, just going on a rant. Cause like recently I've, you know, in gotten texted, uh, you know, just sponsorship requests from people that it's like, I feel like a seven year old wrote it. That's been hitting the head too many times. <laughs> Bad dude. Stop, stop doing that. If you're doing that, stop doing it. It just creates, you know, like a time that somebody has to read that you're not ever going to get a, I mean, a slice of a head wrap from an email like that. You got to come out of the game with a little bit, you know, a little bit more of an eloquent delivery. Uh, if you want to get something for free or even discounted. So just my public, sta- public statement for well, the day. And I don't know if you remember this one, Maddie, but uh, uh, it was it was right after I sponsored Wolf. We started getting all of these tactical sponsorship team requests, and those were always the best. <laughs> Just a whole nother level of you know awkward emails. But I remember this one 
uh, it was like right after we sponsored Wolf and we got this, it was basically, it wasn't a sponsorship request. It was like a sponsorship demand where this tactical guy said, you know, we have this tactical team, blah, blah, blah. Here are our demands. We want a, a, a gigantic metal container to be delivered at this location for us to stage out of and hold our things. You know, all these pop-up tents, they wanted like a trailer for their vehicle. And, you know, my response was was basically like, no, <laughs> like definitely not. <laughs> You're not getting a metal container. Who like this is a paintball sponsorship or are you threatening me? I don't understand. <laughs> but I remember, yeah, printing that one out. I mean, this is like probably a nine paragraph email that I got, and, and I think we posted it on the wall in the in the die R and D room. But <laughs> yeah, those are those are the best. Man. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's good for entertainment value, but it does you know absolutely no good to write a terrible email asking for free shit. Like, stop doing that. It's it, I just it boggles my mind how anyone would think that writing uh, an email to somebody it, it seems like you're writing a text message to your child like where you're misbe like you're, you're the word you like y o u you're just using the letter u which kind of scares me I think that that actually is how the that word might be spelt in the future um, <laughs> that's definitely potential but but yeah so uh, so so but you got but kind of going around you know so you wrote for a magazine you had to organize stuff with your your college, um, and then you, you know, had, you know, had, had there's some sort of fire under your ass that made you drive all the way out here to California uh, to work at a big field, kind of seeing how things work there. And then you worked for Die, doing sponsorship coordination and events and budgets and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then you, then you went to work at uh, Camp Pendleton, another paintball field. Right. Well, I've always sort of like, you know, thinking way long term, I, I see myself being in the field business at some point. Um, and so to me, the opportunity at Camp Pendleton was like a good move just as far as like getting a, a set of experience that wasn't, I mean, die is pretty much the tournament scene, you know, they're the, the high end brand. Um, but you know, very involved with pro teams, pro players. Um, but I knew that, you know, if I, if I wanted to do a field, I needed to work, um, for a field that, where, where I could learn and bring that experience to, you know, eventually the, the park that I would, would open up. So yeah, director of marketing for Camp Pendleton paintball park. I mean, that, that park's pretty legendary too now. Are you going to be uh, that like old salty, like 60 year old field owner somewhere in like rural Ohio who just like, is just the slave driver paying his kids and like a half case of paint a day, just like smoking cigarettes and like, just like sitting in your lawn chair and yelling at everybody. Are you going to, is that going to be you? Yeah. But I'll also have, you know, like, uh, I'll be wearing nothing but Browns, Cleveland Browns and Ohio State Buckeyes clothes. That's it. <laughs> you know, like very faded, light jeans and, uh, and you know, shit stompers every day. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh, you know, there, there are non-hillbilly parts of Ohio, for the record, Maddie. I know this. I've been to Ohio, you know. I mean... I've driven through it more times than I've actually like spent time in Ohio, but uh, yeah. you know I've never. This is what I know about Ohio. I've never met, and I know there's this has got to not be completely true because they're they're everywhere. But I've never met an asshole from Ohio. Like everyone yeah. I've ever met from Ohio has always been a really nice human being. Like you know. I, That's cause, I, it's because it's all we got, Maddie. Like, if we're not nice to each other, like, we can't just go to the beach and say, you know, screw you to everybody. We have to be nice to each other in order to, like, be sane. Yeah, those winters are long there. How's the winter out there right now? You guys getting clobbered or what? Yeah, not clobbered, but it's just cold. Did you see uh, that there was 
it's I guess I think I don't think it got as far down south as you guys, which isn't really south, but um, that there were some places in Western Canada early this week, or I think maybe been over the weekend, that were literally colder than Mars. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. I, I saw that article and I posted it on Rusty Glaze's wall. That's said, right. uh, he just went good to luck, space Badlands. cadet. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, and then I, uh, Chris Diltz, legendary paintball photographer who went on to huge things, like ended up taking, he was like one of the main photographers for Vice President Biden and full on Air Force One. He was like king shit photographer for a while. Um, still is, actually. But uh, he posted something like, um, to all the people that used to live in Chicago or that don't currently live there anymore that live in the West or someplace that's warm, we don't care how nice it is where you live. We don't need to hear about it. I'm unfriending people as we speak. I almost wanted to like grab one of my dope sunset pictures from the beach and then just send it to him and be like uh dude i'm sorry or just i couldn't help it are you gonna cut me off your friends list now i'm I'm sorry but yeah so i don't know i don't know if you feel the same way do you do you hate it when we send you sunset pictures or like go to the beach and write um you know merry christmas in the sand and then send it to you when it's like there's like 10 foot of snow on the ground um, of course I hate it, but at least I have like good memories of being there. So I can just like channel it and go to my happy place where I just r- remember surfing after work every day. And, uh, <laughs> I, at least there's something to look, you know, to, to remember, but yeah, it's cold. Don't send me a sunset picture ever. You <laughs> dick. <laughs> Sorry. I can't help it. Uh, so, all right. So then, so you worked at Pendleton and then, then you needed to move back to Ohio, um, to take care of like some personal family business stuff. So you had to leave Pendleton, but how did the, how did this, you know, cause I, I think when I heard that, that you were getting this job with the PSP, I was like, awesome. Cause this is something that the PSP needs. You know, a lot of people don't understand. Like, I think it's just kind of the natural way that you kind of look at big institutions or what you perceive as like really big institutions as that they're more monolithic than they really are. And, uh, Paintball access. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we're doing all we can over here, boys. Please keep helping us fight the fight. We love you. But yeah, so with the PSP is very similar. You know, the PSP was able to, you know, survive during a bad economy, win the war against the MPPL, but it's not like the PSP is owned by some huge corporate conglomerate that has, you know, like Vi- like Beltor in the MMA world is owned by Viacom. So, you know, they can burn through some money if they want to, taking the long-term view, you know, knowing that MMA is a hot commodity and build that brand over time. Like, the PSP never had that that luxury, you know? I mean, it had to, uh, you know, strip, like when, you know, when paintball went through its first, level of ascension into, you know, the media stratosphere uh, for a brief second in the, you know, mid to early to mid 2000s when we changed the sport and Dick Clark's production company came in and wanted to do stuff with X-Ball and on ESPN a couple times. Like, you know, there was a lot of money that was being pumped in. And, uh, and then, you know, the PSP had lost money for a while. Um, and then, and all those other companies that no longer exist, burnt a lot of money up, you know, trying to chase that dream and it was unsustainable and the PSP streamlined and was able to produce, you know, good solid events that, you know, functioned and went on time and were fun and had good formats. And they just did that year after year after year. And eventually, you know, through, even through the great recession and all that time built what it is today. But, you know, people have to keep in mind that, you know, the PSP is not some huge corporate gigantic company. Um, it's not the, some faceless institution. You know, it's it's a company that is trying to do what it can with what it has to produce the best events it can. You know, and that's something that needs to be kept in mind. Um, 
and this is just from being, you know, up on the inside and seeing it evolve and having, you know, work with the people there and knowing how hard they work to, to try to put these events on. Um, but, you know, in its now, you know, it's been doing pretty well for the past couple of years. Uh, and there, you know, there is no, you know, the MPPL is gone. And so, you know, but it's been, it's also trying to look towards the future. And, you know, I think it's really smart of them to bring somebody younger, passionate, hardworking, who understands how social media works and understands, you know, these, you know, marketing concepts, these kind of stuff that's, you know, kind of cutting edge stuff. And uh, that really wants to work on, you know, getting closer with the fans, getting closer with the customers and really trying to, I mean, I don't want to. You know, this is kind of why I wanted to pick your brain a little bit and talk about it. But, but I just think you have some good ideas, and I'm glad that those ideas were recognized. And I think that you know that you're you're going to be able to really help the, the sport of paintball, uh, and help the PSP, and help the people that play the PSP. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I mean, I didn't want to put all those words in your mouth or anything, but I just that's how I saw it when I when I heard that because I've worked with you before and I've seen you come up in the ranks and we've talked many times about the game and all this all this stuff, man. You know, so it's. You know, knowing kind of where what you think about things, I was just really happy that, you know, the ball was thrown to you and that the PSP guys were like, yeah, Pando, we love these ideas and we need someone like you to execute them, dude. So let's do it, you know. Um, So that being said, kind of how do you, you know, think about things moving forward? You know, what what do you want to attack? Where do you see that you can help the sport and help help the tournament scene? You know, what are some of these ideas? Um. Well, you know, going back to what you said a little bit, you know, that's, I kind of see this job as like, it is my job for sure, but kind of like you were saying, it's, it's sort of like our job. You know, like, I feel like I'm sort of in a position where like the idea is that you go to a PSP event, and you think, oh man, like it would be so cool if, if we did this or if, if, you know, if the local news was here or just like little things that the, the PSP guys uh, don't have time to do, I'm sort of in a position to, to get cool mainstream like kind of pop in the bubble of the the psp's little niche um you know i'm in a position to do those things which i think a lot of people can like sort of jump on the bandwagon with and help which i I really want to encourage everybody like hey um this might be my job but i'm listening to every idea that that you guys are throwing at us and there's going to be a sort of a call to action where i'm going to need the player's help and that's sort of how i want to act is like hey We've got an opportunity, but let's all take advantage of it together and, uh, you know, and, and really take PSP to the next level. Um, but, yeah, so some of the ideas, you know, like, uh, or I guess just some of the things that I'm, I'm going to really try to emphasize this year, um, you know, the social media and, and sort of like our online perception is, I think, a given. Um, I think everybody would agree the PSP website needs a makeover, which is why I'm excited to debut a new PSP website, um, social media, ramping that, those things up, getting creative there. Um, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, but I'm definitely going to be doing a big push on public relations this year. Um, you know the the PSP guys, like you were saying, they're they're really good at hosting good paintball tournaments. You know, between all the you know the referees and the and choosing venues and, and making those things happen, I don't think people realize how big of a pain in the ass it is to to make a PSP event happen. But um, it is a gigantic not, mega pain in the ass, giant <laughs> pain. Like pain there's the not ass. even an ass big enough to contain the pain <laughs> yeah. that it is. And the guys that are in there, you know, Lane, Bert, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the key guys, Dave. I mean, they're they're multitasking pretty hard and, and they make it happen. And, and I think some players appreciate it. There's, they're always changing things, which I know causes controversy, but they're, they're all with good intentions. But basically those guys are really, really good at running good events. And that's proven, you know, 
getting through the tough economic times, winning the war versus NPPL, et cetera. Um, so they, they've created a really great product, but that's, that's what they're good at. And th- that's pretty much, that's like a period there. Um, so now that I'm in the, that I'm in this position, we can try things like bringing out the local media and, you know, actually putting some effort into gaining a little bit of mainstream exposure every time that we're at an event like PSP Nashville. We're going to be reaching out to the local Nashville community, trying to bring in people from the, you know, the high school kids in the area um, hey, that aren't paintball players. You know, who you, need, you know, who you need to hit up for that is uh, another fellow NCPA alum, uh, Robbie Goldsmith, because he's been all up in the like local business uh nashville community he's got like a couple startups he's doing there he does like a bachelor bachelorette party company that he runs he just opened up another one in uh down in uh um in new orleans i love robbie goldsmith he's like the yeah. guy who's basically like he loves paintball he's 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 the captain of cep i hope they come back and play this year i, I heard that they are I, I gotta call robbie and i don't know maybe we'll do a podcast with him again but um but he was, you know, talking to him, he's like, you know, it's really hard to compete and fund a, a high-level professional paintball team. And, you know, he's got this, like, really long-term view where he's like, look, Maddie, you know, I don't have a rich guy to fund my team. I want to become that rich guy and then have a badass paintball team one day. And I was like, that's great, man. More power to you, <laughs> you know. So he's very forward-thinking. But he's all up in the Nashville community. So um, you should definitely hit him up and, uh, and see if he can help you out with that. Oh, totally. How long do you think until we see Robbie on Shark Tank? I'm surprised we haven't seen Robbie on Shark Tank yet. <laughs> I, I have a feeling just from talking to him and seeing his like his social media where he's always, you know, posting about some meeting he's having or like his smiling mug in a suit, which is weird because I remember him as the like really loud dude wearing like a cut off shirt t shirt in the Florida heat, like hazing his like younger dudes that were on the yeah. team. You know, I Sounds love Ro- Yeah. And now he's it's like, you know, perfect haircuts, big old, you know, shit eating grin and a nice suit, like about talking about his new startup or in some company yeah. or something like that. So or like in, you know, him in a suit in a in a big conference hall at some seminar or something, but he's attacking yeah. it. You know, he's, he's yeah. another one of those guys. It's a perfect example. Talk about this all the time. Cause it's true of a dude who saw, you know, like he, he was a tenacious dude in the paintball world, slowly but surely made his way up and, you know, ran some, you know, ran these, these, these paintball things. And then was like, dude, I could do this in the real world. And he's very ambitious. And it's just, it's that American spirit, you know, um, and it's not even just American. It's just that human, you know, what's over the next hill type spirit. And he has that. So it's, it's cool to, to see him, uh, you know, on his way to success. So totally. Well, and like he, I don't I don't know if he has a girlfriend or not, but like he is literally the MILF hunter. I mean, it's like the, the bachelorette king of Nashville. I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's married now, Pando. Shh, what are you talking about, dude? Stop. Is he married? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I, I think he's got a, like a girl now, or I don't yeah. know. But uh, but yeah, but um, yeah. yeah that's, but a that's a good boy. that's a good business, man. That's definitely a good business to be in. You sure. know, people are always getting married. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so hit him up for sure. But yeah, I'm stoked to go to Nashville. But um, I'm, I didn't mean to to stop your your flow of uh, conceptual ideas. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important. You know, I mean, it's, you never really, it's, 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 that stuff's important. Um, it's not, you know, that whole, oh, when you take paintball mainstream dream that, that, uh, you know, when you're in the trenches and you're fighting that fight every day, it's, it's not quite, you know, the dream that, that people say it is, it just requires a lot, but, but it's stuff like that is really, really important for the long term because it's, you got to consistently do that and keep doing it and keep doing it for years. Um, and it should just be part of the, of the arsenal that paintball has, you know? Exactly. Um, 
yeah, and I think I think it brings legitimacy um, when when those things are happening and they're and they're happening often. And now with the you know the way social media is and viral marketing, um, you know, there's the, the more we put ourselves out there as a league, which is again my mantra in life. Like we need to put ourselves out there more. And if you keep doing that, then eventually we're gonna we're gonna snag something big. Um, so at least now that we can put effort towards it, I'm going to put effort towards it. And, uh, and I'm pretty confident that it'll, it'll pay off in one way or another down the long run. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Uh, and I think another thing that, you know, you're easy to talk to. Um, you're also at the same time, a no bullshit dude too, when it comes to like business stuff, it's like, all right, well, this is the budget. This is what we can do. You know, it's like, at least when we've talked about stuff that we've had to communally work on before we can have those conversations. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that that's one of the things that the PSP has all the best intentions of trying to provide the best competitive landscape in which, you know, or whatever, use whatever metaphor you want, fertile ground for the sport to grow, whatever. But they're, they're trying to take what they have and come up with these, you know, like the new rules this year. Some people like them, some people don't. I happen to like semi-auto. I mean, the, the implications or the, uh, the execution of these is going to be difficult. That's going to take some time. But I still like the direction uh, because to me it's about the skill. Um, and you got to do what you got to do to try to create that 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 place where you know the good players can thrive. And I'm looking forward to calling those games because I want to see what the hell is going to happen. Um, but uh, but at the same time, it's like uh, with that in, those good intentions in mind, I think that doesn't really get carried over a lot sometimes to the to the customers and to the consumers. And so I think you could help there. You know, be a, be one of those bridges. Sure. Well, and that's another big emphasis I'm putting on this year is is customer service and, and basically connecting with our teams and our players, um, you know, both ways, putting on information in a way that really explains why these things are happening, um, which is why, you know, the, this po- podcasts are great. And, and you know, basically um, <laughs> with all the changes, I feel like sometimes they get misconstrued a little bit where people sort of take them immediately as a negative when um, if you really explain where it's coming from and, and, and why decisions are being made, then I, I think we can get people on the bandwagon a little bit more often. Um, but I think there was definitely a lack, you know, I, I think the PSPs, um, you know, again, focusing on running great events. Um, so now I'm, I'm definitely trying to step up the amount of attention that we pay to the teams, making it as easy as possible to play an event and, uh, you know, I'm kind of bringing this from the, the Camp Pendleton, the, the field owner side. You know, I, I had to totally flip my mindset of, um, you know, I was focusing hardcore on tournament, high-end, everything with die. But then when I went to Camp Pendleton, you know, the, the owner of Camp Pendleton, Sean Walker, would have to stop me sometimes and say, hey, like, you're, you're marketing towards, you know, a, a 40-year-old mother of four boys. Like, you need to sort of change the way you look at, um, you know, bringing in new customers and um, I'm trying to bring some of those values into the PSP and how we treat a potential, you know, dad that's going to fund his kid's D4 team this year. Or, um, you know, like a, maybe a team owner that, you know, that the, the kids said, hey, hey, dad, we should, we should play this event. This looks so cool. I, I love Oliver Lang. I love Marcelo. I saw this on the webcast. I want to do this too. Um, so basically I want to make it very accessible for uh, a new team, a beginner team, or uh, a team that maybe is a little nervous about organizing an event and booking those plane tickets. Um, I'm trying to, I want to make it as easy as possible for those guys to actually commit to playing this season. Um, You know, eliminate as many barriers to entry as I can. Yeah, and that's always been a tough thing because as far as, you know, 
you have the PSP, right? And you have so many different levels of competition with then having, you know, the best of the best, best teams in the world, most highly funded teams, whatever. You have those guys. And, but that's a small fraction of the, oh, but that is what's, that's the most visible by mm-hmm. the scale of 100 to 1, you know? I mean, so it's, you know, those top 20 teams, those are the teams that everyone's going to look up to and want to watch because that, that literally represents the best paintball players on planet Earth. Um, but at the same time, you know, the PSP is not just that small fraction of players that get all the ink and the pixels or whatever we're using these days to describe media coverage. But it's also a it's a business that, you know, that has a bunch of customers and these guys come to play these events for fun. And that those are that's the, the majority. That's the huge bulk. So, you know, it's it's tough because, this, you know, again, it comes down to manpower and resources. The PSP needs to as much as it possibly can. And this, that's why we do the webcast and we do the stuff with PBA and we talk about these stories and highlight all this, all this drama and all these guys um, that do this at top level. But you know, there's fascinating stories all the way down. So I'm looking forward to working with you guys in the PSP to try to tell some of those divisional stories too. um, Because you know, it takes a lot for these guys to get to tournaments and there's a, there's crazy stuff that goes on down there too, you know? So I think it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's about trying to serve the customer, create that environment that people want to come to that's fun, uh, you know, and that's a mixture of so many things. And, again, you know, it's, it's about choosing the good venues, and there's just so much work that goes into all that. But, you know, but that's, again, one of the reasons I like that you're on board with, with the PSP is I think that you now, because you've been through so many different, you know, jobs in this industry working your way towards this that give you a more intricate understanding of those different levels so that, we, you know, we can bring at least all the might we have to bear on trying to accomplish those goals. Sure. Well, and I get it too. You know, when, when a team complains about, um, you know, not getting their information on time or, or you know, things like that, um, I've been there, man. You know, organizing the college events, you know, nightmare. <laughs> and I, I know sort of like the, the trials and tri- the, the, the struggles that come along with organizing a team. It is a pain in the ass to wrangle up a bunch of your bros to, <laughs> to play an event. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm here to help and, 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 and make it as easy as possible for those guys. Yeah, no, I'm stoked, man. It's going to be a good year. Um, you know, I just hope the economy holds up still and the gas price is going to help everybody get and hopefully the airline tickets will be cheaper. Um, and I really am interested to see, uh, at least in the pro leagues, how, you know, semi-auto having to walk fields and, you know, no coaching is, is really going to potentially free up and, and make, just make some really dynamic paintball happen. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, dude. I'm definitely excited. So you, so you got any dirt, Maddie? Uh, well, so it looks like damage. <laughs> Joey will not, Joey Blute, the manager will not tell me who he's, who he's got potentially. So damage is, is, is going to, looks like the news is going to break here shortly. If they're going to pick up some players, don't know who that is. Um, they lost, uh, uh, Keith Brown and Chad Bougier, two of their attackers, to Edmonton Impact, who is just stacking up a ridiculous team. I mean, they already had a ridiculous team, but, uh, you know, Impact, who won the overall title, uh, Damage took second and just had, you know, I mean, other than that terrible start that Damage got in the beginning of the year, taking seventh and almost getting relegated, if it wasn't for Jason Edwards' heroic five-kill point in, this, in, the, in overtime in order to save his team from relegation, sent heat down, too. That was a crazy game. Uh, but then they went, you know, fourth, third, third, second. So, you know, depending on who Damage gets and how they fit in with that crew and if that, or that, the OG crew from Damage can, can be motivated, that's like the biggest problem with Damage is that they've been doing this so long, they've won, you know, they've won a lot. And, uh, but I think it's starting to eat at them that they haven't won 
for a while now. And yeah. so, but I, I don't know who they're picking up, you know? I mean, there's, you know, there's some talk. It could, you know, obviously you got to go to the usual suspects. So Vicious just d- decided to stop playing and, um, you know, totally understand that decision. They had guys that, you know, they had such an awesome paintball ride. And, uh, and the, the core of the team had, you know, regular corporate jobs that they just couldn't get the time off anymore to compete and practice at the highest level. But that still left a couple guys like, you know, maybe Trevor Reeser has been rumored. Don't know if that's going to happen. Trevor Reeser's a killer. He's one of the best guys on Vicious. Um, you know, then, uh, you know, then the, there's some guys from Heat. You know, he got four dudes cut after a World Cup to make room for the Russian smart chaos coming over. And, uh, so yeah, so it could be you know one of those guys, maybe Dizon, maybe Woodley. Mm-hmm. Woodley is a killer. Dizon's a killer. That I could see, you know. And again, it, this game is positional. You know, it's not just the names on the back. It's what those guys do, what position they play, how they would fit into a program. Uh, and well, yeah. So speaking of that, like, do you think do you think impact is too stacked now? Like, I mean, you talk about you have all these players, but I mean, what happens? Like, you know, you, listening to like the the Nick Sloviak webcast i mean playing time becomes an issue when it when it comes to keeping a team together for for you know more than just a a season um do you think any of those guys are going to get a little upset with playing time as the as impacts year goes through it depends on how well they do you know when you're winning events it's really easy i wouldn't say it's really easy it makes lack of playing time a little bit easier to pallet if Mm -hmm. you're winning events um, if they start struggling, that's when the doubt seeps in. That's when you start wondering, oh, well, if I was the guy put in instead of, you know, player X, then I would have, I would have killed that guy and not got killed. And we would have, you know, won that point, which, uh, you know, then all of a sudden that, and that doubt, that, that seditious doubt can be the killer of really good teams. I've, I've been on teams where that's happened. That's pretty standard. So, you know, as long as they can keep putting up these awesome finishes, I mean, you know, Impact also, like Damage, stumbled at the first event, took sixth. But then after that, it was second, first, second, third, and they won four out of, uh, won, I think, every event in Europe. So, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely a really, really amazing storybook year for Edmonton Impact. And uh, if, if they can continue to do really well, it will be easier to hold that that really high level, uh, high caliber lineup together. If they start having some hiccups, you know, then depending on how they're doling out playing time, and that's that's another that's going to be tough for Bart. You know, I mean, he's got, you know, he, so they just picked up Keith and they just picked up Chad. So Chad's a D side player and Keith is a snake player. You know, mm-hmm. but when you already have like Justin Cornell, Justin Rabikoff, I mean, you have those. You, then it's like, okay, well, who are you going to sit? You know? Yeah, it's exactly. So no, it's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's definitely a big question mark, and that's something that I'm sure Bart knows. You know, I mean, but, and but it's also since Impact is you know, Bart treats his players really, really well, and uh, I mean, like they, I was just I didn't get to talk to many of any of them about it, but you know he. You know, he. Uh, but I saw the Instagram pictures. But he basically flew everyone in, in one guest. So you could bring your wife or girlfriend or friend or whatever out to Vegas for New Year's and pay for the whole thing. You know, wow. so it's like so Bart's going above and beyond to create a good atmosphere for his players, uh, which will help if it, that that also will help if things don't go as planned and they're not you know constantly fighting for for wins. Um, so that, that's interesting, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's going to be tough, you know, and then it also depends on the layouts of the field. And this is another thing too, is that, 
you know, for a, a team like Impact where before they'd get a bunch of practices in before the event and then be able to kind of figure out who's playing well, who's not playing as well as others and kind of set their lineup that way. And that does a lot to kind of in a coach's mind coalesce who his guys, who he should run with, you know, because even if the guy has a bad game and, you know, he just had three awesome weekends in a row, you might be a little more apt to put him in and get him his spins because, you know, he's just murdering people for three weeks straight. And so, oh, he had a bad game. But now it's going to place – that's one of the things that's now become – the coaches of these teams have become much more important. They were mm-hmm. always important. But now because you have to walk the field at the event, you don't get to play it before. And, you know, so that – having to walk the field, one, and then also not having the, the weeks of practice on that field to know, you know, who your studs are that week. Uh, and he's got a ton of them. Then, you know, that's just – it's going – who plays that – that becomes a whole nother dynamic, and it's going to make watching the games that much more interesting because, yep. you know, it, it's really up to those guys to, to not play bad. <laughs> you know, you're going to – it's like we always used to say. It's like good guys would come up and be like, all right, well, Maddie, what do you think about this? Like, you know, some rookies on the team, and I just look at them and be like, uh, the most important thing is you don't suck today. That's the most important thing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's almost like an NBA – dynamic hey so speaking of coaches where where's todd going todd does not currently have a team to coach so which uh, for selfish reasons um it makes me happy because then i get todd up in the booth more uh (laughs) however as far but uh, you know i I don't know i i don't think here's the issue with with todd and coaching is that you know so todd has you know raza um, Golden State, so he has stores to run, he has uh, the company to run, and for him to coach a team, that requires him to then go and go to wherever that team's practices are. So with Vicious, he'd have to fly out and coach that team, which would then take time away from his, you know, his, his fiance, his businesses, and and it was just tough. So it's you know, Todd's. It's not like Todd needs to prove to anybody that he's a good coach or win more. I mean, he won tons of tournaments with all the teams he played. I mean, Todd doesn't really, as a player, coach doesn't really have much to prove. Um, so you know, and it's as far as teams out there with money that'll pay him to coach. There's not a ton of them. There's no local really pro teams here that he would be able to coach and not have to fly out a bunch. Wait, what? Um, I thought I thought you were about to say he was coaching Dynasty after that speech. No, well, you know, I mean, here's the thing with the Dynasty is that they they've found a sweet spot with Rusty mostly. I mean, you know, it's always tough. I mean, when you're coaching a team like Dynasty, I mean, Dynasty has. Not even arguably, they have some of the best players ever, ever to pick up a paintball gun. Those guys are highly opinionated, and uh, I mean, you could just film Ryan, Alex, and uh, and Oliver just you know just jabbing at each other constantly. So you have to have a really dominant personality, uh, somebody that is highly respected. And and since Rusty came on, they've done pretty damn well. Other than you know they yeah they had a really bad run mid part to the end part of last year, which was one of the worst, worst runs that the dynasties had in recent memory, which also then kind of paints the story of what the hell are they going to do this year? I mean, they had that legendary game already instantly legendary game against infamous that they lost, uh, with all those one-on-ones. And if you guys haven't seen that one, you need to go immediately watch it. It might be the best paintball game I've ever seen. Um, and so, you know, but they're back in the champs division and, but but Rusty's worked for them, you know. And the tough thing though is that now Rusty lives in Canada. But yeah. Rusty, <laughs> so the plot. Rusty's thickens. Canadian, which basically ruins all of his street cred. The plot instantly. thickens. <laughs> but the thing with Rusty is that Rusty had made a point to tell me because at Sunday night we went to Old Town and had some beers and uh, we're talking about it and um, 
And he was saying, yeah, man, I'm coaching the team next year for sure. So, cool. you know, which now that now that you have to show up and walk the field and you don't get to, you know, master that field weeks before kind of lessens the responsibility of the coach a little bit. Obviously, it really helps to have your coach there at the practice leading up to the event and still create some difficulties there. But uh, so I think it makes I think it makes it way more important for the coach because now there's a big emphasis on making game plans, you know, on the fly. It's not just like, oh, we've got this playbook already set in stone. It's like the coach has to make a playbook in between points almost. Yeah, a million percent, man. Absolutely. It's that is going to be again another reason why the coaches have are going to have a really hard job at the event now. And uh so yeah, so and also with Todd and I mean Todd played on Dynasty for a long time. So you think if you didn't know the story that there would be um some connection there and that would be something he would do. And I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility for the future, but just, you know, having like him and Ryan don't always see eye to eye with everything. And I just don't see that happening. Like I just, I, at least not now, maybe, I mean, I would make more sense for Todd almost to coach the Ironman. I'm just talking about local teams that he could coach. Cause there's really not a ton anymore. I mean, you have the dynasty and the Ironman are the local pro teams here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the Ironman, that's okay. So Shane is the captain. He's not the coach cause he's a player still. Uh, so he's going to play your coach again this year. Well, yeah, but then you have Alex. And so between Alex, who kind of does the logistic, you know, the kind of management duties of, uh, of working and then also helping to call the lines. Cause he can then see from objective standpoint, cause he's not playing. But uh, but the Ironman also had a great year last year. You know, we were talking about impact and damage, and Ironman took third. So mm-hmm. those are the top three teams in the league. And the fourth was vicious, and they're not around anymore. So with the Ironman take, being super consistent, fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth, fourth uh, for the year, they had a pretty damn good year. The, the question with them is I don't even know if, and this is, you know, we don't know if they're going to have the exact same returning line. You know, like I haven't heard for certain that, Alex is going to be playing with them for certain. Your mouse, um, I think he is, but I'm not sure. And uh, and you know, so we'll see. You know, I, the the final lineup for some of these teams has not come out yet. And it, it was interesting because the off season started with the the bang of, of of a lot of you know the heat cutting four guys and damage losing two of their core dudes. Um, Keith Keith had become a core guy, uh, but you know Chad was definitely one of their core guys. Yeah. You know, and then impact strengthening. So it. it but now there'd been kind of some dead time as far as in kind of guys maneuvering to see who's going to play. So we're going to see here in the next week, couple of weeks what these lineups are going to look like. But with the Ironman potentially bringing Todd on to coach, it would be like, all right, well, you know, I mean, they did have, they didn't win. So, but they had a pretty decent year for the fact that they had a bunch, all those royalty kids come on playing against these really hardcore team. I mean, they did, they did pretty damn good, you know? So it's, I just, I don't see, I mean, it would it would be cool if Todd coached the Ironman, but with the way that the currently they have their system, um, I you know I I don't know, so we'll we'll see. But that, those are good questions for sure. But yeah, there's tons of those though, man. I mean, it's like yeah. you know, and then going down the list, it's like you have uh, so Vicious was fourth and Dynasty was fifth overall. Uh, they had a win last year, and then that abysmal you know second half of the year, our chaos is gone. They were sixth. San Antonio X Factor seventh. Heat eighth, Upton one eight seven, crew ninth, and they just picked up Sloviak, and then Infamous tenth. You know, the, those are the t- Infamous who won the first event was the tenth ranked team at the end of the year. Crazy. So it's it's gonna get uh it's gonna get crazy. I'm, I'm I can't wait till the first event, man. Eight weeks from now, 
pretty much until we're there. Ooh. Yeah, it's 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 gone by quick, dude. I mean, so I know that's. Do you think? A, uh, you think? Okay, so semi-auto and then the blind layouts, all that stuff. Do you think that this is the year for the snake player, like the year of the snake player, to make a real big comeback? You, you're no saying coaching? because of the coach coaching. I mean, you know, and that's the thing because a lot of people with the they were talking about the coaching were like, oh well, you know, coaching was kind of gone already. Which is true. I mean, it, it definitely got to the point. But talking to some of the guys, I would get conflicting answers. You know, when I mean, you talk to Grayson, and he'd be like, yeah, yes, co- yes, the, we'd made great progress with the coaching, but you still, in the back of your mind, you always were wondering if you made that move, was somebody going to scream from the stands? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, it's going to be hard to please. I'm hoping that, uh, that we kind of have some self I mean, maybe this is asking too much, but... You know, back in the day when you were out watching a game, like you get castrated if you said something on the sidelines um, that would messed up with anything that was happening on the field of play because that was just we self-policed our, our, ourselves. Because right. it's kind of like golf, yeah, yeah, you know, and and um, and you and obviously you're still gonna be able to talk in the stands and you're still gonna be able to like to cheer and stuff, but no, there's some gray area there. But you know, it's a good question. I mean. With the with those highway runs, it's going to depend on the layouts a lot. Expect to see aggressive layouts for mm-hmm. sure. Um, well, I think semi-auto is going to make the snake player come back alive too, just because nobody's going to be able to dump five pods on a you know just tapping the trigger anymore. Well, I, I think there's going to be a lot more avenues to like get down the snake and get in there safe. Yeah, I, I agree. I was I was as you were asking that question, I was kind of thinking. I think that this year is going to be the year of the creative player mm-hmm. because. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, if the guns aren't shooting as fast, it's not going to be, you know, as we're not going to see as many aggressive moves because you can't use that's that's rubbish. That's not true at all, because a good paintball player, if you don't have as much pain, if somebody's not able to control you with the machine gun, a good paintball player who's always looking for that next move to execute, always thinking a couple moves ahead. You know, the Archie Montemayors, the Ryan Greenspans, the Oliver Lannings, the Marcellos, you know, whatever, just creative players, then that's really going to open things up for them to make things happen. And so I think this is going to be the year of the creative player. It's like, you know, Brandon Cornell hit me up on Facebook and was like, hey, do you have anything, you know, any drills I should run or anything I should be working on for next year? It's Brian, Brian, uh, Brandon Cornell from the Ironman. Oh, that's and, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's, you know, young guy, super young kid. Yeah, uh, what is, I think, is, he, is, he, is he 18 yet? Did he, did he turn 17 last year? I could look. I don't know. But. The question is, is he going to grow another foot? Because that's still possible. Yeah, he, he definitely could grow. I mean, he hasn't <laughs> quite grown to his body. I even mentioned that, you know, in my comment. And it, you know, so, so he had hit me up and and uh, it took me a while to respond because uh, other stuff I was doing, but at the same time I was I didn't have like a quick immediate response for him like oh bro your snap shooting your snap shooting's terrible work on that or it would be really dope if you were faster I mean just basic stuff like that but you know the more with a guy like Brandon Cornell you know Brandon Cornell really emerged as a dynamic player this year he got better every single event he became somebody that the Ironman could count on and he did that because not because he's I mean obviously he's fundamentally good at the game he has good fundamentals he has, he's good at snap shooting you know he's not he's not super slow like he's he has the ability his, his skill level is is at par now with most of the guys in the league but what made brandon great and what is amazing to see in somebody so young was his ability to put the game together in his mind and make good clutch moves in certain situations and so that's basically what i hit him back with i it was a, i can't remember exactly what i said but it was like kind of a laundry list of things that he should kind of working on one of the things was you know speed because as he finally matures into his adult body he will be able to put a step or so on you know the body he had when he was 16 or 17 years old Mm -hmm. um 
just that's just the way it is. You know, if you're, you're if you're out there and you're 16, like when I was 16, 17, I was like 150 pounds and about five. I think I was like five nine. By the time I was 18, I was 180 pounds and six foot one. Um, and I got faster and, uh, and I didn't even really work at, I mean, I worked at it a little bit, but, um, and I played a shit ton of paintball, but back in the day, I mean, speed helped, but you know, we're playing in the woods. Like you, you, that was a three dimensional landscape, man. You had to, you know, that was all about playing chess in your mind, but you just naturally get faster. So I was like, you know, you working at that consciously and the way the game has evolved, you're going to have to do that. But at the same time, I was like, look, you, what you need to be doing is you need to, you know, what's happening to you is that you are getting in a flow state. So when scientists analyze people that are really good at things, there's a certain way that your brain works, and, um, and they study this in MRI machines, and they've actually done some experiments with uh, people that shoot archery. So it's like you take a, a master um, uh, guy, you know, who's just a master using a bow and scan his brain. And, uh, and there's a certain, um, and again, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know exactly what to call it, but it, you have this, this certain, uh, they can map what's happening in your brain when that hits that spot where they, they, where they take the shot. And so they actually were able to take amateurs at uh, archery and help them find that flow state by basically coaching them through that mindset and when to shoot. And it like drastically improved their performance. And so I was just basically telling him and it's like, look, you know, what's happening when you're getting into these situations that you're excelling at is that you are, you know, you're getting into that flow state. So I told him to research flow states and, uh, um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's basically, and then I was also listening to something yesterday on a podcast when I was driving home from work. And, uh, and it was about, oh God, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was, uh, it was, it was a, a joke, a joke about Irish. It was, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I still, I need to get that joke down, but, uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> me and Pando were having a conversation before we started the podcast and now he's throwing me under the bus here. Cause I was like, Hey, I was, we were trying to test audio and I'm like, tell me a joke. And then he bumbled his way through a terrible joke and didn't even come up with one. So then I actually tried to tell a joke that I heard the other day and then I bumbled my way through it and totally messed it up too. So, but anyway, but I was like, uh, so yeah, essentially, um, what happens is, is that you're able, like when it, it was, uh, something about your twenties, you know, twenties is an incredibly important decade because what happens is, is that there's certain parts of your brain that fully form and there's neurons that fire. And so depending on what sort of activities you're, this is another reason why paintball is awesome, um, is that when you are actively doing, like if you're, let's say you're just, a, you're one of those, you're just a, you're a consumer, mindless consumer, you know, like you're, you just play video games, you maybe work whatever job you work and that's fine. We, that's, it's totally fine if you're happy with that. I don't want to, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, you need to live your dream. Everyone should be living their dreams. It's like, dude, somebody's got to take the trash out, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the way it is. Um, but, uh, so, but it's, but your twenties are crucial. So if you don't use certain parts of your brain, like you, when you're born, you're born with, uh, a, a ton of connections and slowly, but surely as, as time goes on until you get to your late twenties, early thirties, depending on how, you know, your physiology, your brain makes these like draconian cuts. And if you're not using certain parts of your brain, it's gone forever. And there was this, uh, this really interesting, um, situation where this poor girl was found, tied up by her parents in Germany. Uh, and she was basically just like tied to a chair and, uh, no, never talked to, they just brought her food. And she, it was just like one of the most horrible, uh, things of child abuse I've ever even heard of before. And, but it was a, but it was kind of this really interesting thing for linguists because they wanted to, they basically wanted to try to teach this girl to talk. And, uh, 
because she had never used words before and she'd never been spoken to. So she lived in a non-auditory world as far as, you know, language was concerned. So they now then tried to teach her, put her with a speech therapist and try to teach her language and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it because that part of her brain was gone. And she eventually ended up getting, because this girl was not, you know, this wasn't a mentally challenged human being. This was a fully functional human being, just like you or I, anyone listening to this. But because they were, she was chained to that chair and nobody talked to her. This is why it's important to play music for your children. It's why it's important to engage with your children and talk to them. Because the more that you talk to them, the more you force them to talk. Then and the more that they are, you know, just surrounded by by stimulus, the the better it is for them because you're using that part of your brain. And so, how this per- pertains to paintball and when you're young is that you know the more so it, it, the, the, like Brandon's been playing against really good players for so long that he has an abnormally like stupendous ability to process the, all of the different variables that are in front of him, make those command decisions, and this also pretends to creativity. You know the way that your brain it fu- functions and, and you accessing those creative parts of your mind. And uh, and I, and I, I was listening to this um, or this explanation of what happens when you play music. So when you play music your entire brain is just on fire with activity because certain parts of your brain correspond to you doing certain things. So if you're, you know, listening to music, then you have the auditory part of your brain that's lighting up, which is a different part of your brain than if you're talking or if you're manipulating, you know, something with your hands and then that's one, that's another part of your brain. So when you're playing music, particularly if you're singing, reading music and playing it at the same time, your entire brain is on fire. You're literally just lifting weights with your brain, which is why it's also, you know, it's good to have your children try to play a musical instrument. Um, and so, uh, and so anyway, but the ability for Brandon to put himself in those situations where he's, you know, and this is another thing I, I would love to see a brain hooked up uh, to some sort of machine while being while paintball is being played. And I think this is probably one of the reasons why it's so addicting is that, I, you know, if you think about all of the different things that your brain has to process it, you know, you have a massive adrenaline dump that you have to manage. So you're, you're in that fight or flight situation. You are consciously choosing to not flee. You are consciously choosing to engage. You also have to think strategy. You know, what variables are in front of you? What's happening? All these different situations. And then you have to then make decisions. You're also listening to your teammates talking to you. You're listening to, you know, what the other team is saying, listening for their guns. You know, there's so many different things. You're, you're, act, you know, you're using your fingers, you're using your entire body. You're kind of like in the bunker doing like, you know, if you're in the snake, you're like doing, you know, I always would joke. It's like you're so sore when you end up, you know, if you haven't played for a while and you go play and you play like a really good day, you're super sore because you're utilizing like tons of different muscles in your body. So anyway, there's so much stimulus going on. It would be fascinating to see what a brain playing paintball is, it looks like. And I, I have a feeling, I have a hunch that it probably looks something like playing music because you are using all of those you know you're you're using you're listening you're talking you're you know at, you're using your body you're also thinking about game plans you're dealing with a massive amount of uh, you know of a, of, of, of a huge um you know adrenaline dump so so how that pertains to brandon and younger guys is i was like that's why you need to research flow states because if you consciously know what's happening to your brain and you understand like the more of these situations i put myself in the better i'm going to be able to react in the future and kind of going to what your question was you know i think this is going to be the year of the creative player and this kind of goes to the whole point of why the psp made these changes in the first place you know is like that is that's what this game was originally intended to be. Paintball was originally intended to be a game where it did not matter how big or strong you were. It didn't matter how even sometimes how fast you were. What it mattered was how well you were how how well you were able to manage variables, stress situations, 
and then it's assert your will on another person that's trying to do the same thing to you. You know, and that and that's why I really like these changes. I think we're going to have more of those situations, and I think it's going to be you know. I, I would, I, to me, funner to play. Having played through the machine gun era, where we're shooting twenty-two balls a second at each other, no joke. Played, you know, pump back in the day on woods ball fields. Played, you know, cockers. Played through all that, and having played through all those different versions of paintball, to me, the most fun was when you did live in a creative space where it was your mind and what you decided to do with that situation, you know, and then prevailing in those situations. Um, was, you know, that was the, to me, the most fun, at least. And everyone's got a different version of fun, you know? So if your version of fun is shooting machine guns at each other, then hey, you know, more power to you. But when I see the best of the best play, that's not what I want to see. I don't really give a shit how fast your gun can shoot, uh, unless you made it go that fast yourself. Um, I want to see, I want to see the chess match. I want to see the chess match with with guns. That's what I want to see. I got to go. I got to go listen to some classical music. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, I'm excited to see what kind of player Brandon turns into, like how, will he become elite and, and if, you know, and how fast (laughs) he's, yeah, he's already getting to, I I would not say he's elite yet. I would say that, you know, I would say world cup, he won, there was some one-on-one on Sunday. It was so good. He won a two on one as well, you know, know, but that's another situation too, is that a lot of guys are, Oh, how do I get better at paintball? Well, a lot of it comes to, to, you know, it's like, think about this. Some guys are best when they're in those pressure situations. Mm -hmm. And looking back on my own career, um, in hindsight, obviously, you know, you can see things with a lot more clarity than when it's, you know, right when you're in that situation. But I did, I played the best that I could play, and how I, you know, became the player that I was, was because when those pressure situations happened, I felt a, uh, there was no pressure because you didn't, you weren't expected to excel. You know, if it's just you and there's three dudes in front of you, like you're not supposed to win that battle. And so you play purely on that built instinct, that, you know, combat headspace that you've developed over a long period of time. And, uh, and, and it just, you know, so it's like when you get, when that's what that to me when when I see Cornell pull off these these moves in um, situations he should not win or in real big time pressure situations or where he needs to get creative, and you know it's like you're kind of forced into that because you don't have time to second guess yourself, and that's the biggest thing with paintballs that you know it that's always that you're always worried about that you know it's like okay I see this move in my head it's like Kyle Spickle was the same way like Kyle Spickle plays the best when he's not second guessing himself, and. Um, and he's done that less and less as the years have progressed and he's become a better player because of it, you know? So it's, it's just, that's, that's the special thing I think about Brandon and that I'm looking forward to see in the future is how well he can cultivate that flow state. And I think that that is real. And that really truly is what separates a amazing paintball player from a, you know, a, a, just a really good paintball player. So yeah, it's going to be uh it's going to be a good year, man. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so when is the new, like, when should people be expecting, you know, twists and turns aside, uh, some of the stuff you're talking about, like new website and that sort of stuff? Well, so the website is actually going to go out with the schedule. So it's, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely going to be more things being added to the site over the next month or so. Um, but for now, we, we, we've done a big time upgrade as far as like the, the overall look and feel of it. Um, I put a lot of information out there trying to make it, like I was talking about earlier, um, step-by-step process on how to uh, make, you know, get your team organized and registered on time 
finding flight discounts, hotel discounts, and you know, there's always like little weird issues with registration. Um, so we're basically just sorting, giving everybody a step-by-step list. If you're trying to play an event, all you gotta do is follow this list. You'll have you'll be paid on time. You'll have your IDs ready to go. You'll know what to do when you show up to the field. Um, and uh, you know, we're, you'll be able to find your paint sponsor easier and know exactly who you have to talk to and, and things like that. So um, the website is going to be out by the time this airs. Um, and of course, if you have any suggestions or anything, I'm an open book. Uh, I've got some help. You know, some of the paintball access guys are helping out with the site too, which I appreciate, Darren. Um, yeah, Darren's but, the man. He's the unsung he's, hero of this whole thing. He's literally changing the website as we're talking right now. It's driving <laughs> me crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the website's going to be up and going. Um, you know, the social media I've been doing over the last couple weeks. Um, so thank you for the thousand people that have already uh, started following us on Instagram. That's my big push this year at PSP Events. That's where all the information is going to go out first. And uh, definitely encourage to, to, to be a part of us on the Instagram train. Um, and as far as, you know, some of the public relations things, that's going to be stuff that you know, hopefully we're going to be surprising people with at the events. Um, you know, obviously I'm looking into outside sponsorship, which I know is, it's always like a, a pipe dream situation, but I'm aggressively pursuing it. So hopefully we can make some ground there. Um, I know that, uh, you know, with the webcast this year, obviously going to be pushing that and, um, you know, <laughs> let's make this the best year for the webcast ever. And then, uh, you know, and then I think we win as an industry. If uh, I, I totally agree, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, to, uh, you know, really just continue to tell the stories, man. That's the important thing yeah. is getting that narrative out there. Um, if let's say there's, you know, somebody out there, he's going to, you know, he's in high school or first year of college and, you know, he's starting to learn how to do media stuff and kind of maybe wanted to do an internship. Like, should he hit you up? Like, I think that would kind of be cool if, if any of those list, any of the listeners out there wanted to contribute, you know? No, a hundred percent. And, you know, I sort of touched on this before, but, um, basically it's sort of like, a you know, calling all players, calling all <laughs> passionate people. Um, we're always going to be accepting interns, you know, on, on the website, you're going to see there's a careers page. We're always hiring. Um, you know, we can definitely get creative. If you, if you need school credit, we can make that happen. Um, if you're looking for pretty much any opportunity we're, we're willing to listen to. And if you have a skill that you want to bring to the table, sort of for the greater good, um, you know, I'm not in this job for the money. I know you're not in your job for the money. And most of the people that are, you know, with the exception of the manufacturers and sort of those guys, but um, the sport is is run by a lot of just straight up passionate people that love paintball, which is why it's so great. And, um, you know, take my story as a lesson of, you know, put yourself out there, do some great things and contribute. And then, you know, it's going to blossom into something bigger in the long run. And that's, yeah, 100%. If you're looking to intern, if you think you've got some social media skills, if you want to write, if you want to make videos, if you want to take pictures, uh, if you want to help pass out flyers before an event to try to get you know the kids from your high school to come watch professional paintball in the grandstands, you know you're, you'll get a stack of flyers at your door, you know, mailed from my apartment in Columbus, Ohio. So like, <laughs> uh, basically, if you want to help. Get a hold of me. Um, my contact info is all over the new website, and uh, and I'll put you in a position where you can really help out the the sport as a whole. Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you for sitting in. Appreciate it. 
Of course, Maddie. Anytime, bud. Stoked to, uh, yeah, stoked on the year. So, yeah, so for everyone listening out there, thank you very much for your support. Uh, got a huge year of paintball coming at you and the PSP here with PBA. Look for a bunch of stories, and uh, we're going to be doing a viewer's guide, um, kind of breaking down each one of the teams. That'll be all over PSP and our all of our stuff as well, too. Uh, just kind of giving you all the information that you need to uh, to help be a fan. You know, we got a, a pretty crazy thing here in this in this sport of paintball across many different levels. And, and you know, again, if you got a really cool story um, – of you know trials and perseverance and heroic efforts and the hero's journey uh you know hit us up man hit us up and uh, tell us your story maybe we can uh, put a microphone to it you know so thank you guys for tuning in to the real deal podcast and again thank you to our sponsors that help make it happen gi sports die precision key action sports and planet eclipse and again man you know own your narrative you know if you really feel passionate about something be be loud get loud about it and uh and you know own your narrative and help us Preach that paintball gospel. We'll see you next time.